Blog Talk Radio. show of 2022 i know we're a little bit behind the game had a date with the coronavirus man i tell you what it was no fun and then with holidays and everything else uh, i'll tell you what and and you know what I'm, I'm vaccinated and it's it's still bizarre how this whole virus thing works hopefully it works out of our system not subscribing to fear porn by any stretch of the imagination but man the, the virus is real I think the hype is overextended, and I'm completely, completely done with it. Well, here we are. First show of 2022. We're going to get things kicked off with Steve Wilson standing by in our balanced green room, uh, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. Got a lot to talk about on the NASCAR NASCAR circuit. Some big news last night came out of NASCAR. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. And the road of the Super Bowl has begun. We have eight teams, and we'll see uh, how that pans out beginning today as the uh, divisional rounds begin. Uh, we've got Matthew Hicks. A uh, long-time indie legend, been around for a long time. Uh, indie radio legend, been around for a long time. Great friend of the show. Going to help us break down some of that. Action. Certainly some big news coming on the home front with IU and Purdue. And then Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast is going to be joining us and breaking down NBA as he's our official NBA uh, uh, contributor. And also, well, he's a fan of the NFL as well. He's headed up to um, – Green Bay, as the Green Bay uh, Packers and the Niners take it on, and the Niners are in for a uh, temperature surprise, if you will, in uh, January up there in Green Bay. And then Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com joins us and fills in for Ed Kratz as we break down the rest of the NFL uh, games and see where things end up at. My name is Tom Marquis. El Presidente, we've got a full house today. Stick around. It's about to get good, and hopefully I stay alive. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. 
so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, and welcome back. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining us now is a longtime friend of the show and uh, been on the offseason for a while, and good to have him back. Steve Wilson, uh, Editor-in-Chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, your official NASCAR authority, joins us right now. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, better off with the COVID? Oh man, I'm a lot better. And, and here's the thing: I and anybody that knows me, I, I, a virus is a virus. We're gonna have it. And I know it's 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 become a pandemic for a reason. But you know, and but it's just it's just gotten blown out of proportion with all the mandates and this and that. And the, if you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. You know, Melissa got it. She tested positive for it. And of course, being in education, she had to do some quarantine time here at home and. And, I, and, you know, I work from home. We do the show from home now. Everything's from home. So, I mean, didn't really go out and do anything. But I tell you what, it did kick me in the rear. Did Have you had a date with the COVID yet, uh, Steve, or anybody in your family? No. No. So far, I've been pretty lucky with that. Well, you've got a new uh, you got a new governor there in Virginia, and he has banned COVID in the state of Virginia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a that's a topic for a different show. One of the good things about you know get, being in you know, a strapped down to the house and not feeling good and just have nothing to do but you know uh, watch TV or whatever is catch up on your binges. You got any shows you like to binge on? Um, well, I guess I was. I guess the the last one that we really binge was during um, um, 
you know, right around the Christmas and right after I, I finally had to get on the, uh, the, the, uh, Yellowstone train. Yeah. And finally watch all of that and, uh, catch up all the way to the, the, the end of almost to the end of the current season. Well, no, no spoilers, because I've still got about three episodes to watch at the end of the current season, season four. Now, have you watched uh, 1883? No, I haven't watched 1883 yet. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's a precursor to um, uh, uh, Yellowstone. My brain went dead. Uh, COVID still has my brain. But Yellowstone, by far, is the best show to bitch. You know, and don't watch it with your kids because then, you know, you're going to end up being bad parents. But <laughs> <laughs> So big news out of NASCAR last night. We learned uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Kind of weird how this happened. It, they were elected in 2020. The 2021 uh, ceremony and stuff was put on hold because of COVID. And so last night they finally got to have their – their their name uh, in 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 the lights, if you will, and what you know certainly one of the biggest names. And I want to go through real quickly before we get to some of these news in the offseason of NASCAR. Uh, certainly, as we get geared up to uh, Daytona coming up, but, you know, certainly one of the biggest names was Dale Jr. But the, one of the bigger names, and, and a lot of people might disagree with us, but a lot of bigger. I mean, another bigger name might be Red Farmer. Certainly, Red Farmer. You know, ran what was it? Excuse me, about 75 years of racing, it, it, and but he's been around for a while. Excuse me, I still got stuff going on, but but he was the founding member of the uh, of the Racing's Alabama gang, and certainly uh, uh, Red Farmer, very well known for us race fans, have been around for a long, long time. And maybe uh, Steve, uh, those who don't know much about who Red Farmer is, why is he such a big name in the NASCAR scene? Well, you know, the, not only did Red Farmer. Um, you know, as a founding member with the Allisons and uh, uh, of the Alabama gang back in the day in uh, 70s and 80s. And, you know, the, the Red Farmer is a guy that is, um, I can never remember how old he is. I know he's in his 80s. Um, but he still races on dirt, late models, and super late models I down at that, uh, yes. Talladega Short. Yeah, right across from the Super Speedway in Talladega. Um, Red Farmer, and a lot of people don't even well, I mean, there's no accurate count, but the conservatively, there there's an estimate out there between seven and nine hundred dirt short track and uh, short track wins uh, across his career. Um, so this this is a guy that that he's won so many times that nobody even has kept count any longer as to how many times he's won. Uh, you know, at these uh, dirt super late model and late model events, not just there in Talladega, but all across the United States, um, but you know, Red, Red Farmer is a, you know, he he's he's a he harkens back to the old days. He's a, he pulls his own trailer out there to the track. He works on his own car, and then he jumps in the thing, goes out there and runs light models. Uh, so you know, he he's a he's a guy that really just harkens back to to the early days of NASCAR and uh, you know the history behind that Red Farmer and the Alabama gang, the Allisons, and everybody that was just so dominant. Uh, when they were around, uh, you know, he he just really is just uh, kind of one of those crown jewels of the sport because he's just been around so long. He's done so many different things, 
and as far as you know racing is is concerned he's a, you know he's you would i guess you would consider him you know racing royalty when when he walks in the room oh absolutely you know they've said on the in the nascar hall of fame ceremonies that he's he's piled up over 750 wins and that's uh, you know that's that's crazy to think about it he's had a continuous uh nascar racing license since 1950 so uh, put that in perspective put that in perspective okay let's go ahead and talk about the other two inductees i'll go ahead and turn it over to you steve obviously dale jr no stranger to anybody everybody knows who he is and certainly uh uh followed in the hall of fame after his father uh dale senior obviously a racing legend everybody knows who that is talk with us about the 20 21 uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, you, uh, Dale Jr. I guess he's just an, he's another guy that has uh, gone into the Hall of Fame, but I think we can really liken a lot of ways into Mark Martin. He's gone out there and done so many different things. He's won the Daytona 500 multiple times. He he's won across you know NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series of where he well. The, what was the Bush Series, and he was a Bush Series champion. Um, but when he did come up to Cup, I mean, he he won. He was dominant on the super speedways there in Talladega and Daytona, but he was also, you know, won so many different times uh, at at various other racetracks. But he was never a NASCAR champion, and I think you just look at uh, him and Mark Martin kind of in the same light, whereas. You, you define their careers based on whether they won a championship or not, but you define their careers on some of the other things that they did uh, throughout, uh, you know, being dominant again, like I said, at the Super Speedways, but also, uh, you know, uh, Bush Series champion two different times and, and, and so on. And, uh, you know, for Dale Jr. to get in there, he, he while he, uh, you know, his father won seven times the, the Winston Cup championship, uh you know, he Dale in his own right has done so many different things within the sport that probably give him that right to it, give him the right to be in the Hall of Fame at the same time. Um, then you also got Mike Stefanik. Um, this is a guy mm-hmm. that has Absolutely. never won or has never raced in the Cup Series, but he spent his entire career in Northeast modified racing, and, and he was just the the dominant force across his entire career. Now I'm gonna to have to get a little. Um, uh, color, I'm gonna to have to. I'm gonna tell you a little story. It's gonna be a little off color. Not really off <laughs> color, but just it's not I safe for work. For for our work. Okay, so years ago, the Mike Stefanik, they had this thing called the Battle of the Beach down at Daytona. They uh-huh. turned the back stretch into a short track, and they ran late models and modifies and things like that. During the race, during the during the race uh, for this modified event, um, there was a call that sent Mike Stefanik to the to the pits. And at the time, this was covered live on TV. Well, Speed TV uh, at the time, which is now Fox Sports, uh, tracked Mike Stefanik down, found him sitting on the tire of his car, and asked him as to what uh, what did he think about the officials in their call to send him to the pit. To his response sitting there looking like angry crap cat says bullshit and then gets up and walks away and so many people will remember that moment just as you know because that was Mike Stefanik in so many ways is that 
you know, a, a hard charging modified racer that, uh, you know, won in the Northeast and, and is, was already, you know, made claim to fame and in the wheeling modified series as a champion in that. So, you know, Mike Stefanik was just, you know, uh, an atypical guy that ran modifies and he was just a really hard charging driver. And, you know, while he never, he had an opportunity to come up and move into NASCAR, but he chose to stay there in the modified series in the Northeast and, and make an entire career out of it. And I think, uh, you know, as NASCAR has expanded upon just looking at people that have raced in Cup or people that have had championships in Cup, I think that makes it an all-around better Hall of Fame. And by adding Mike Stefanik in there is just, you know, adding to that. I love it, and I love that story. You're you're very right. A lot of people don't know, you know, they, they cling to these these bigger names like Dale Jr. But in a lot of rights, that's not really a bigger name, and you know, it, it just a lot of different. I love watching the uh, Hall of Fame as it just brings out some stories of people that you know you've never you never thought about it. You know, in like my staff next there and you know, Red Farmer and so forth. Well, I know you're going to be headed down to Daytona. A lot of people are as well. Uh, we're not really a precursor to the Daytona 500, but some action back on the track. Obviously, I'm speaking of the Denso Weather Tech uh, and Rolex 24 at Daytona. I know you're going to be down there. Uh, certainly, it, that is an exciting race to watch. I commit every year that I'm going to watch it. Well, about 10 o'clock at night, I'm usually watching it, and then I'm not watching it. And then I turn it off, I go to bed, and I, I get up and I, I finish it off or I watch the highlights. So I, I won't lie and say that I'm committed to watch the entire race, but I'm committed to giving it the old college try. You're going to be down there. Let's talk a little bit about some of the teams. And a lot of people that may not know the day, what the the uh, Rolex uh, 24 at, at Daytona is. Obviously, this is the 60th running. Uh, this, this is a, a compliment. Uh, a, a group of, of teammates from various different types of racing series, if you will. And let's talk about some of these teams. If we talk about the, you know, uh, the Cadillac D, uh, D, DPI VR, uh, certainly uh, it's compiled by Jeff Olson, but it's also going to have Sebastian Bourdais, Scott Dex, and Alex Pelot, and Roger Van Denzer. And so when we get into the Formula One name, Steve, you may have to help me out there. But that, let's talk a little bit about some of these teams before we uh, move on to some other news in NASCAR. Uh, but it's the 60th Rolex at Daytona next weekend. You'll be down there. Are you excited? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I watch, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big, I guess, sports car road racing fan. But, you know, it's always every year I try and watch a good majority of this and kind of keep up as what's going on. Uh, I guess in some years there's more uh, NASCAR drivers that decide to, to go down there and uh, and be a part of this than, than they will be there this year. But um, it'll be my first time going out there and covering this thing. And no, I'm not staying up all night long. <laughs> 24 hours of racing. In the I don't think there's enough. Yeah, well, I don't think there's enough monsters. For, for me to do that, but you know, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll give it a try, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'm a night owl as it is anyway, so you know, I can at least get a good portion of the night in before I finally have to crash. You know, it's really neat to watch that at night too. You know, you've got the uh, just the way the lights and, and everything. It's it, you know, there's night racing, and then there's the 
a Rolex 24 at night, and, and, and I've got the app and everything, and I can watch all the, the camera views and, and, and so forth. So it's really interesting. You know, talking about the, uh, uh, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, he, you know, he returns to Chip Ganassi Racing. You know, Chip Ganassi hired him to drive the Le Mans back in uh, 2016 through 2019, uh, uh, which included the class win there in the Le Mans. But he got his start there with uh, Chip Ganassi. Obviously, he's moved on to other things. Uh, but Sebastian Bourdais, I think, will be an interesting watch with his Cadillac DPI team. Yeah, I mean, they, it really is. I mean, they're gonna they're going to pair him up with Palu. God, I can never say that guy's name, but, you know, he's coming out of baby <laughs> college, so bad, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, is a pairing, pairing those two up together, and, I mean, about, while both of them race two different types of disciplines of open wheel racing, it's always interesting as the way they can comprise some of these teams together in, in just the different disciplines of racing that, that will make up. Uh, I mean, you can have IndyCar, F1, and, uh, um, you know, NASCAR drivers all on the same team. And, you know, you, you're talking about this team in particular where they have F1 and IndyCar. I think they both can learn from one another. And they also bring a little bit of, uh, you know, their both style of racing, but also, you know, what they can uh, – uh, do as far as uh, working on the car throughout the night and working on the car throughout the day. And, uh, you know, each of them can, can kind of tweak that car just a little bit a little bit uh, to their liking or a little bit to, to the team's liking. And uh, it, it just really is an interesting race all around. And I'm just excited that you see, you know, people that are willing to come uh, from those different, different disciplines like F1, which is probably the biggest uh, sport uh, in, in many respects of auto racing outside of NASCAR. But, you know, to, to get some of these guys and the names that do show up to the Rolex 24 just kind of just really shows as to what the prestige is to win this race. Yeah, certainly there's no shortage of big names in this uh, uh, this race. Jimmy Johnson obviously coming back uh, from retirement. Did he ever retire? Uh, he retired from NASCAR. We'll say now he's a rookie with IndyCar, but he's also racing uh, in the uh, uh, Daytona uh, Rolex 24. Uh, Jimmy Johnson talking about the, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. How long is it going to be before we see his name called? I would think that he would have to. Well, maybe not. I don't know the rules behind that, but I would think we'd, they'd want him to be out and completely done for racing, you know, much like uh, Jeff Gordon did and much like uh, Dale Jr. did. I don't know that he'd be eligible for the Hall of Fame while he's still racing, i.e. in the uh, Indy 500. Do you know any uh, facts on that? Well, NASCAR in the Hall of Fame, they they their role the rule of thumb is is that uh, a retirement from NASCAR, and there's a there's a set number of years that you have to be out of NASCAR. Um, Jimmy has been out of the sport for uh, what of this coming on three years now, um, so I think he has another two years left. I think it's five years. I'd, I'd have to double check that, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's five years. So I think he's got about two more years before he'll come up on that ballot. But, you know, I think he would just be like Jeff Gordon, Dale, Dale Sr., and 
uh, a couple of Dilt Senior Dozier and a couple of others where they will probably be first. He will probably be a first ballot um, just because uh, he's the only other uh, driver that's won seven championships across his career, matching uh, Petty and Earnhardt. So, uh, yeah, I, I look for him in the next two years or so and probably another first ballot that, that will drop and put him in the Hall of Fame. So let's let's move on to some other news. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, a great friend of the uh, the show. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other news that's going on in NASCAR. Kyle Busch is seeking a NASCAR sponsor that you know really allows Kyle to be Kyle. And and to me, in a lot of ways, you get what you get. And if that's if that's Kyle, that, that's who you want because you want Kyle Busch to be Kyle Busch. Granted, he could be a PR nightmare. So I, I wonder what is what's he actually looking for? Because I don't because if they have, they've not did a very good job of it. I don't think other sponsors have really held him back from being Kyle, as we know very well that to be true. No, I, I don't think so. I think you, you've seen Kyle and, and his antics on and off the track and, you know, throughout his career. Um, but, you know, you, you do – you have to look at um, Mars, who is what you're talking or referencing, uh, going to leave at the end of the season. So that's going to pull off a, a major sponsorship uh, that has been on – that car for for oh, quite considerable amount of time, and not only are they just going to peel off of his car, they're going to leave the sport in in uh, completely. Um, so that's you know kind of a huge hit because you know they 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 sponsor um, fan uh, grounds uh, across several different racetracks and. Uh, they they have various different programs of uh, in the midway, and you know they'll they'll just be absent from the sport. But getting back to Kyle for a moment is is that you know if you we we all know the world that we live in. We all know how businesses try to operate these days in the way that uh, they want somebody very vanilla, somebody that doesn't cause PR problems. Uh, they want somebody that you know is. Uh, you know, toes the line and really doesn't get too far out of that that confined box that they put him in or put them in. And that's really not Kyle Busch. So, um, you know, whoever, uh, you know, whoever steps up to take on that car is going to come in, are going to have to come in knowing full well that whatever their, whatever their corporate vision is for their side of the house, they're, they're not going to necessarily get that out of Kyle. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, Kyle. For all the people that get pissed off about uh, all his antics, um, you know, it, you know, a lot of the, a lot of fans have forgotten the days that this was the norm in the sport that people got mm-hmm. pissed off at one another, that people did uh, yell and scream at one another and get angry, mm-hmm. and not not necessarily yep. just get out of the car like Jimmy Johnson and be totally vanilla, uh, you know, ninety five percent of the time. Uh, and, and, you know, whoever does take the sponsorship on, uh, I hope will allow Kyle to continue being Kyle um, because, you know, you just can't have 40 drivers sitting out there and all of them, you know, uh, not getting mad at one another because that's really not NASCAR. That's really not racing in general. And I think that, um, you know, hopefully, again, whoever takes this up is going to allow him to continue being like that and to – to that extent, I wish there was more companies out there that allowed uh, drivers to have more, show more emotion and to to actually um, 
not have to be the corporate vision of themselves on the racetrack too because I think that, you know, it takes a little bit away from the sport and, uh, you know, Kyle being Kyle again for all, you know, all the people that complain uh, just, you know, have to remember back in the day this was the norm. This wasn't an exception to the rule. This was a norm for 43 drivers that went out there and drove hard and, and won races but also when they got out of the car, you know, they were themselves. They they didn't pretend to be a vision of themselves that they weren't, and they were what they were is what you got, and kind of they were real, and that's what uh, the the raw emotions and, and just Kyle Busch is, well, you know what you're getting into, but you also know that, uh, you know, he's being real with you. He's not trying to be somebody he isn't. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, in just a couple more minutes we have uh, left with you before we have to wrap it up and, and put a, a bow on it. And, and you know, we, we're in the funny season now, and it takes no break uh, for the holidays or, or what have you. But uh, certainly, uh, I think two of the biggest stories out of the silly season that we look at is the Kyle uh, Bush story, or, and Kurt Bush for that matter, and Brad Koloski. Brad Koloski, uh, as we know, is going to be regrouping and reforming RFK Racing. Uh, and uh, so he'll be a, a driver owner of the team of his rebranding comes ahead, you know, so he'll be the driver owner of that. Uh, anything that you want to add to the funny season here in the next couple of minutes, sir, uh, that might add some context to any uh, stories. There's so many stories out there. We'd, we'd have to, to have the full two hours to cover all the stories in the in the funny season, but I, I think those two, uh, you know, Kurt Busch, Kyle, I mean, three, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, and Brad Koloski rebranding his brand are some of the bigger stories in the uh, uh, funny season. Well, just uh, on Brad, just for a moment there, this is a guy uh-huh. that left Penske, which is a winning organization. And while, you know, Brad has kind of languished over there, uh, you know, he still had a fairly competitive car from all the resources that, that that Penske brought to the table. So he goes over to Ralph Fenway Racing, who used to be a powerhouse in the sport. And at one time, uh, at the very early beginnings of the, the chase, the playoffs, the, the whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, Roush Racing was putting as many as five cars in uh, at a time in, in into the to the playoffs or, or, or you know chase at the well at the chase at the time. In recent years, they've obviously been uh, not so dominant. They've been more of a mid-pack team, so they've struggled a lot. And, and Brad Keselowski is moving. Uh, from an organization that has every resource and every tool at their disposal and unlimited funding almost from Penske um, and, and and some of their their uh, longtime uh, sponsors like uh, Coors Miller and things like that to, to a team that is going to have to rebuild themselves and they're going to have to, uh, you know, move from being a mid-pack team to being able to run up there in the top 10, top 15 every single week. And by Brad Keselowski, he owns a manufacturing company that manufactures and designs parts for race teams. So maybe this is a way that between the, the technical uh, know-how of Roush, uh, who has been uh, an innovator in this sport, who has also uh, teamed up uh, with you know, um, uh, Gates to uh, build engines for all of the four teams that, uh, that put on uh, and go out there every single weekend. 
So, you know, maybe between the technical know-how of Roush and the uh, uh, some of the, the design and engineering work that uh, Brad Keselowski has started putting into this sport with designing cars and, I mean, sorry, parts for these cars, that maybe now that um, this will be, a re- again, a rebranding and a rebuilding of that car and that team back to being a more of a powerhouse that we were uh, so used to seeing, uh, you know, during the Mark Martin years, Matt Kenseth, Carl Edwards, and others that have been to those cars over at Ralph Fenway Racing. Steve Wilson, we greatly appreciate you helping us kick off the show today uh, with uh, bringing in some uh, NASCAR and uh, talk back to the show as we are coming off of our off season uh, with NASCAR as the Daytona 500 is just around the the corner and next weekend is the Rolex 24. I know you'll be down there. I uh, appreciate, appreciate you, sir. You stay safe and, and healthy out there. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, Steve. You have a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks. Take care, and hope you get better soon. Thank you, buddy. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. You can check him out, all of his work out at SpeedwayDigest.com. If you're looking for any one stop uh, to get caught up on your NASCAR, uh, that's the place to go. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. We'll be right back with uh, Matt Hicks. He'll be joining us, helping us break down what's going on. He's going to help us put on the the, uh, Homer hat for a few minutes as we uh, talk a little bit about what happened to the Colts and, and, you know, what's going on with the Pacers and what's going on here and what's going on here. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown Down Home American Kids. Growing up in little pink houses, making out on living room couches, blowing that smoke on Saturday night. A little messed up, but we're all alright. Hey! I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. 
You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Saul Mark Mattel, Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits if you want to join the conversation. Thank you to Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, joining us and helping us break down the latest in the funny season and what's all the happenings in the uh, NASCAR world. Joining us now is great friend of the show and indie radio legend Mike. Mike. Are you on Mike today? Matt Hicks. Matt, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. That's my brother, so that he would get a kick out of that. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, this COVID has still got my brain. And, Dude. You know, I, 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 I know. I, I'm as I was saying to Steve, I, I, I it's a virus. It, it exists, and I, I know we got to take precautions. I, I think it's got way out of control uh, as far as mandates, this, that, and the other. Just not what the purpose of this show is. But the point is, you know, I, I'm vaccinated, and I still got it. Uh, Melissa got it. She tested positive. She's in education, so she had to do some uh, quarantine time. And you know what? I, I wasn't far behind, and, and I had the fever. And every single, almost every single symptom that you could check off there without uh, self-medicating uh, with or self-looking. You know, when you become a doctor and, and jump on WebMD or whatever, and <laughs> by the time you're on there 20 minutes, you're you're going to be, uh, you know, on your deathbed. Uh, but you're I, right. I had it, but I didn't go get tested for it. So we could say it was the flu, but I'm going to say that I had it. So if I if I'm mistakenly saying that I had it, but I had the flu. It doesn't really matter. It it kicked my it kicked me on the rear. Have any of you guys in your family uh, dealt with it? Yeah, we it, it went through uh, it went through uh, three of the five of us, and not that it's a contest, but I seem to have it the worst. And uh, it was tough, man. I I thank God for that vaccination because I can't imagine having it any worse than I did because it was rough. I I don't know about you. Not that we want to go down this road, but I had every symptom. But I had one of those ones that you don't hear a lot about. I had blisters in my throat. Oh. Um, so I, I really had a hard time swallowing even water. So it was, um, yeah. it was tough, dude. It was tough. It was tough for me. It was about tough three or four days. And then I kind of started coming out of it a little bit. But it was, uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I don't want it again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you. I, I was exactly the same thing. And you know what? I, I didn't go to the doctor about it. I, maybe I should have. But I had the exact same problem in my throat. I just thought it was just a really bad part of the strain of the virus. It, it reminded me a lot of strep throat. And I had a hard time. Yeah, that, well, uh, so I went to the doctor thinking I had strep throat. And it turns out it took a couple of days to figure out, well, no, you got COVID, buddy. So, yeah. Wow. Well, well we, better we, now. All good. It was over Thanksgiving break for me. So it's all good now. Back uh, to 100%. And... Yeah. 
you know, like I said, one of the good things that came from, I work from home anyway, uh, but one of the good things that came from, you know, I, I couldn't work, even though I worked from home, I, I couldn't make the commute from my living room to my office, but I couldn't talk. I was still having problems talking. So, you know, we just spent, you know, binging, you know, and catching up on a lot of our shows. And Do you have any shows that you like to binge? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do. Um, I've, I've been watching the new Boba Fett show. Um, I'm actually okay. like an episode behind on that, but I, th- this is like something, okay, this is a little something that I don't necessarily hide, but I don't overly broadcast because it can mean different things to different people, but I yeah. like Star Trek. So I watch, I've watched all of uh, the new Star Trek shows on Paramount Plus, and I've found them to be very enjoyable. <laughs> I like Star Trek. I'm a, I'm a fan of Star Trek. I have to admit, I, my knowledge of Star Trek ends with Captain Kirk in the, uh, the original one. <laughs> but I like the old Star Treks. But they're good. They're good to binge on. Now, you know, I we've been binge, and, and I'm going to start back up on the Ozarks. We're going to start that back up. Melissa's never seen that, so I see part of it. So I I just need to reboot on that one. But the one that we've really been into is Yellowstone. Have you seen that one? I've heard I've Kevin heard Costner. Yellowstone. That's on my list. We uh we finally started Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short and we wanna we're gonna finish that. And then we, we're we've got that one on our list. Too. I've heard that's very good. Yeah, I, I know Melissa was watching a little bit of it. So I, I think that might be on our list. Now Yellowstone, I'll warn you ahead of time, you probably already know this. I know you got some young kids there. I would advise you not binging Yellowstone with the young kids. So I've heard that's a, that's a late night show. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then 1883 is the other one that we watched and are caught up on, and that's the precursor to Yellowstone. So uh, Yellowstone right. to me is one of the best shows that, that came out in a long, long time. Very well produced, very well written. And I'm a fan of Kevin Costner anyway, so that just that just adds to it. But uh, so let's move mm-hmm. on. I, I digress. You know, I'm a big fan of the cold side. You know, that might mean a yeah. lot of things to a lot of people, too. <laughs> that may have changed. Like, <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm not a bandwagon fan. We've had rough years and good years. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that that uh, Peyton Manning's coming back. And, you know, they made a whole big issue of Andrew Luck being at the college championship game and being on the field with ESPN with the pre. Oh, is this, there's Andrew Luck. Okay, that's great. He's, he's there, maybe he's there, but he's not coming back to to the Colts. I don't see no. see that happening. So we've you, got you a quarterback. You can see there. that. You, let, let's yeah, let's nip that in the bud right there. That's over. You can tell by looking at him. That's a guy yeah. that's retired and he's happy. And and I'm now you know listen, we've talked about this before. I'm a very bitter person and I'm very uh, petty. But uh, uh, when it comes to my sports fandom, um, uh, I've, I I have so. I am so happy for Andrew Luck that he has found happiness um, and he loves being a dad and you and I can relate to that. And um, I think it's great. I I hope I wish him nothing but the best. And if he has a future in football, as far as whatever that might be, but it is not going to be on the field. uh, Maybe, maybe someday he becomes a player development kind of like David Thornton's role with the Colts or, or something like that. Um, that'd be great. But uh, otherwise, I wish him health and happiness, and it seems like he has both of those things. So how wonderful is that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, he's got the money. He's got the wife. He's got the kid. I mean, 
what more could you ask for? He, he, total happiness and, and to be able to really have the freedom that that, that he has. So yeah, I'm I'm all I'm, I'm all for it. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It was kind of I felt like a, a kick in the nuts when when he decided to make that decision. And I'll never forget it because yeah. it was we we were downtown at uh, the Bears game, the preseason. I think it was a preseason game or a regular, but it was a night game. Either which way, it was the Bears. And I yep. distinctively remember this because there was a lot of people around us wearing Bears jerseys and talking trash and this and that and the other. As we were standing there waiting for our Uber, one of the guys wearing a Bears jersey, smaller off, he goes, oh, Andrew Luck's retiring. And I'm like, yeah. Dude, uh, really talk the trash and then my phone started blowing up. I'm like, this is this yeah, is a real I, deal. I, I think I've told you this story before and I and I won't say who texted me because that's not appropriate. But uh yeah. someone texted me at ten o'clock that morning and said, You're gonna be shocked, Andrew Luck's retiring and I said, <laughs> Okay, whatever. Like I thought they were pulling my leg. No, 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 seriously. Andrew Luck, there's gonna be a press conference because I think it was a Saturday and the plan yeah, was to have right. a press conference on Monday. But it, it leaked out. And when it leaked out at first, people thought it wasn't real, but it leaked out that night from one of the Schefters or Rappaports or one of those guys. And um, then I realized, I circled back to the person that texted me. I was like, I am so sorry. You were absolutely right. I apologize. (laughs) And then they were right. Andrew Lux retired. Shep never le- leaks anything. He's got sources. <laughs> he's yeah. the ultimate well, leaker. Yeah, I have a whole, and, have and a whole he, opinion on that. that but. Yeah, exactly. We could, we, could, we could go a whole round on that one because we know that there's some major leaks in every organization, but we know there's a oh, very sure, major leak. Sure. And ESPN sometimes um, <laughs> you have to be careful as a, as a quote-unquote you know, person that you know, thinks they might be plugged in because you have to be careful – because sometimes things get leaked out to catch the leaker. Um, yeah, so you have to be just be kind of uh, wary of that sort of thing. That's why you always want you know a couple, couple, three sources, or to trust your source and trust but verify, as they say. Yeah. Well, speaking of leaks, speaking of rumors, this is just just coming out uh, over the last couple hours as I was doing morning prep for the show here. Looks like uh, the Jaguars' uh, general manager, Trent Lecky, uh is strongly backing uh, Colts' Matt Aberfuse, sorry about the blues, in a coaching search. I honestly hope that he stays right where he's at because he's a very, very vital part. But I could see where things might be tempting, especially as you're trying to move up the scale in the in the coaching arena, and he certainly had the attention of the head coaching positions before. Uh, I don't know that this to be fact, but if he's backing him, you wonder, he doesn't have to disclose this, but you wonder if Eberflus is interviewing. Interview, Eber, oh, no, Eberflus is interviewed. There's no I'm question sorry, about Eber. that. He's inter- Go ahead. Oh, I lost you there. Sorry. No, go ahead. I can hear you. Well, uh, Eber, yeah, Eberflus is, is is definitely interviewed uh, with with Jacksonville, I believe Chicago too, and he's going to get a head coaching job this off season. There's just too much momentum at this point with his name that he doesn't land in one of these what eight jobs now. I mean, if you count if you count Vegas, I think it's eight. Um, and who knows if uh, if if they'll keep their interim coach or not? I think they should, but um, that's beside the point. Eberflus is going to get a gig, and then the Colts have an option. They have. They have, a, they have great choices right now. Wink Martindale gets um, mm-hmm. fired, but I guess you saw a mutual parting of ways is how we call it. That's when, like, the girlfriend dumps you 
and you're like, well, we both decided. No, no, no. You got fired, dude. It's okay. People get fired in the NFL all the time. Um, so the Colts have, like, a plethora of options um, at defensive coordinator, including two very, very capable internal candidates and a couple of possibilities from the, the dungy tree, if you will. Um, Vic Fangio, by the way, is not an option. I've, I've heard that name a little bit. There is no way in heck that Vic Fangio is coming back to Indianapolis after it ended the way it ended all those years ago uh, in the very famous playoffs uh, season. Uh, but, but I mean, I think, I think Leslie Frazier is at least a possibility. And then you go down a list of, like I said, you know, Marcus Brady internally or, or others internally. Um, they're going to be fine. No, it's not ideal to lose Eberflus, but let's be, let's be uh, you know, a little fair to the situation. Um, at times, the scheme for fans was frustrating, right? I mean, we would see the cover two and what would appear to be a lack of pressure that scheme, the Tampa two or cover two, whatever they were kind of running with hybrid of both or the same in a way, um, really, really requires pressure from your front four. And if that isn't happening, good quarterbacks can destroy you. And we kind of mm-hmm. saw that coming of age moment with Trevor Lawrence in that last week of the season, didn't he? Didn't we? He didn't, didn't get much pressure up the middle right. from Buckner because he was injured. Pay didn't have the game he had wanted to have, of course, and suddenly there's no pressure, and he's he's picking you apart because you 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 can't get beat over the top, so you're leaving these you know these eight to twelve intermediate routes open. So it you know it's okay. Um, the Colts will be fine. There's just too many good people out there right now to fill that position for me to worry about it at this point. Well, and I hope you're absolutely right about that because I feel like he's one of the good pieces that we do have in place, but you're right. I mean, teams are going to come a-calling, and money's going to come a-talking, so we'll see how that, that yeah. plays out. And, and certainly, if, if you – here's the thing. I guess it's this way in any market. It's not like Indianapolis is to itself on this. But as far as big markets go, we're a small market. We're a smaller big market, if that makes sense. Sure. And uh, so certainly a lot of people in the media, and, and they, they still have a lot of influence over fans. And the fans just like, oh, I hate, I hate uh, Carson Wentz. And, and, and then all of a sudden, when we start winning, hey, Carson Wentz is not as bad as we thought. He's, he's all, the old Carson Wentz is back. And then, you know, here's the thing. You don't love or hate him. I don't got anything personally against Greg Doyle, uh, or you know, but he's a, he's, he's a Bob Kravitz wannabe in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Put it in the opinion bin there. Uh, but he, he said, you know, on social media and Twitter that, that Carson Wentz was a piece of uh, plastic the Colts recycled from the Philadelphia Philadelphia's trash bin, and they need to get rid of him at all costs. Well, that is going to be a, a cost, and that's going to be a big swallow uh, for the appeal for the Colts to swallow to get rid of Carson Wentz. Now, Greg Ballard said in his postseason conference he wasn't very committal to Carson Wentz one way or the other. So that tells me he's taking phone calls. Now, what teams are going to be dumb enough to, to try to pick up uh, Carson Wentz? Well, I mean, dumb enough, that's a big pill for them to swallow. If, you, if you're if you going to absorb somebody else's contract, that's going to be the only way the Colts can get rid of Carson Wentz is somebody to absorb that money that they've got invested in, in him. 
Uh, I don't know who that would be. Maybe Cleveland, maybe Baker or Mayfield. There might be some trade options out there. But, I mean, are, are you on the side of, of Greg Doyle? And, and again, I, maybe I was a little bit hard on him. I, I've never met the guy. He, I, I, I read his stuff uh, religiously. So I have met Bob Kravis many times, and I've followed him over the years. So I, I think you know what I mean. You, you either agree yeah, with no, him or disagree I, with him, but he says what's on his mind. Columnists, columnists have a very hard job, and I, I, I try to give all columnists the benefit of the doubt. But Bob and I became friends uh, uh-huh. when I used to work at the fan, and I would fill in. But this is going way uh-huh. back. But I, Kravitz and Showing your age. Eddie White uh, used to yeah, I remember when they had that show together, and I would fill in. I would fill in as their producer occasionally, and I did the Sunday. They did a pregame show for the Colts building, and I ran that uh, the board for them, produced that show. Great guy, and I don't know Greg. Um, and uh, that's just the way it is. I just don't know Greg. Never really yeah. met him. Um, right. So I can't say anything other than that. I, he's a columnist, and he's got to generate uh, opinion, prolific level, three to four columns a week, and, and uh, so you got to throw it out there. But anyway, with Wentz, um, I was surprised to learn that it is not as prohibitive as I thought to release him. Um, okay. I did not realize that that was an actual possibility in our, in our options at quarterback option. One of course is to, for the Colts to keep Carson Wentz option two would be to find, as you said, someone quote unquote dumb enough to trade for him. Who could that be? It could be Pittsburgh. I could see Pittsburgh taking a chance. Um, I could see others taking, you know, a chance. Ben's not coming out of retirement, uh, man. What's that? <laughs> Did oh, Big Ben? There? Yeah, no, no. I, I said, you know he's not coming out of retirement. He just retired. Yeah, I know that, but I can see Pittsburgh. Listen, the compensation you get back for a Carson Wentz is going to be like a conditional seventh-round pick. You're, you're really more trading a problem for, to try to bail out of it if you've made the decision to move on. I don't know that they've made that decision. I've kind of heard through the grapevine that it's, you know, like if, if there was a clear upgrade, they would take it. But if it's not, they're not gonna they're not gonna move laterally. What does laterally mean? Well, I think I think laterally means a Jimmy Garoppolo, or maybe maybe a Derek Carr. Now I know we all saw Derek Carr play well the last four weeks of the season, and and the Colts fans saw him up close, obviously when they beat the Colts, and then of course many people watched the playoff game where he looked okay. Derek Carr has been a very up and down quarterback, very similarly to Carson Wentz. I I put them. Um, in, in a same category, as well as, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, as Baker Mayfield. I, I think those four quarterbacks, Jimmy G, uh, Garoppolo, uh, sorry, Garoppolo, Mayfield, are very similar quarterbacks, and I think moving between those guys is the same. Now, can you leverage your future, mortgage your future for a Russell Wilson? Sure, you could. Well, that would be my question. Uh, that's is not Russell Wilson. That would be my question. Is Russell Wilson a realistic option for the Colts? No. Maybe. No, I don't think he is because I don't think he's actually available. You, you, you follow me there? I think, yeah. I think that this is an agent trying to play some games. I don't feel that he's actually available. Aaron Rodgers. Okay, listen. The guy is still playing at an MVP level. Brady has been able to do this into his 40s. Aaron Rodgers does not strike me as the type of player – to be able to do this well into his 40s. Now, maybe, again, I'm incorrect on this. And I would, by the way, I'd be more than willing to find out if you catch my drift. 
<laughs> Absolutely, I would too. Um, hey, hey, Matt, real quickly here. So, yeah, you know, I wonder because during this season here, conversation, deep conversations, real conversations were being had about Jonathan Taylor and the MVP role. How big of those? Because those conversations are going away now. So, so not going to the postseason. Yeah. I, that almost kills his chances of becoming an MVP. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Two things. Two things. As a as a running back, I think what did he get to like eighteen fifty? I think yards. I mean, I'm I on think the you're right. I know he was over two thousand from scrimmage, but rushing yeah. yards to be an MVP, I think you got to hit, especially in a seventeen game season. I think you got to hit two thousand yards. Number one, he came a little short of that. He's a by the way, he's a up. beast. <laughs> he's a monster. First, first or second best back in the league, no question. I, I personally, I'm biased completely. I, season ticket sure. holder, fan since 1984. Uh, listen, I don't hide that. I think he's the best running back in the league, but I think you have to understand that I'm very biased. If you want to tell me <laughs> Derrick Henry's better, I, I, I can't argue that because I think Derrick Henry is going to run like a crazy person today. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but, no, I think as a running back in the modern NFL, you've got to hit 2,000 yards. I mean, in all reality, you've got to have about 2,000 rushing yards and somewhere between three to 400 receiving yards. So you're in that 2,500-yard camp from scrimmage. And then, yeah, then you're, then you're in MVP category in the modern NFL. And, by the way, I think he's going to be third, Tom. I, I think it's going uh, to be Rodgers, Brady, and I think Taylor's going to finish third in the MVP voting. I really do. I think you're real. I, I, I was thinking second, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how. No, that, I think Brady's yeah. going to come up second. I think. Well, we'll see how that pans out. I'm actually rooting for the Bengals. I'm not a Bengals fan, but I'm rooting for the underdog, and I'm I'm rooting against anybody that's playing the Titans or anybody in the AFC South. <laughs> I might be biased. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, speaking the of Titans, being biased, I agree. I, Titans have started to annoy me. Plus, I'm a Reds fan, so I'm around that city a little bit, and I'd like to see Cincinnati have a little success. How fun would that be? Absolutely. We're talking with Matt Hicks, longtime radio legend around, a friend uh, of the show. Uh, love having him on. Now, now, speaking of bias, I'm a little biased on this on this story as well. I know you went to Indiana State, uh, but what a win it was. Anytime you can get a win against Purdue is huge, but I, I, I don't know. I just felt like I, I I know it's weird, you know. Hey, it's just a win over Purdue. Uh, calm your jets. Uh, no need to rush the floor. But seeing that happen with IU over Purdue brought back an, a lot of good memories, and uh, it made me feel well, like, hey, Mike Woodson's the real deal, and he was part of IU during the real deal. Does he get us somewhere in the real deal in March? Well, it's going to take time, but listen, what we've learned about Mike Woodson is that his, listen, we know the guy can coach. I mean, guy, listen, anybody that can win with the Knicks is one of the great coaches in our time, right? You're absolutely so, right about that. So we that. know that, right? We know that. We know he can coach, but could it translate to the college game? Now we know with Dane Fife and, and others, great staff, that yes, of course he can, and it's, doing, it's going fine. The recruiting thing seems to be going really well, and yeah, he's going to win. I don't think he's going to win like right away. But, you know, the whole, the whole thing, that's the number four team in the country. You're unranked. Heck, yes, you rush the floor if you're a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid. I remember in a very similar sense, um, when I was a young man, um, a, a, a guy hit a buzzer beater to beat, to beat Indiana. Michael Menser beat Indiana. And, yeah, 
Indiana wasn't ranked. I don't think they were ranked. If they were, I don't remember. And they rushed the we rushed the floor because I don't care if you're ranked or not. It's a big fun thing, and go for it. I'm not some old curmudgeon that says don't rush the floor because you're supposed to win the game. Well, they weren't supposed to win the game. They were underdogs, and they won the game. So it, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, I think Mike Woodson has done. Gosh, what a great job he's done. And and I I'm happy that Indiana. Um, leadership decided to um, embrace their past a little bit more than they had with their last few coaching hires um, because their past is rich. And yes, there is some, of course, there's a little controversy with that past, but it was a very different time. And I think Absolutely. that it's a good thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for their success and, and Woodson's success. Um, so it's all good. You know, uh, another Indiana State alumni that's well-known here in Indianapolis as well in the radio market, John, and you know him at JMV. We're talking about, this just brings back the glory days of, of IU and, you know, running, running the floor. He said at Indiana State, the only time we ran the floor, somebody dared us to take our clothes off. <laughs> Were you guys there at the same time, I wonder? <laughs> no, he's just a little bit old. John's a little bit older than me. We just missed each other at Beautiful WISU 89.7. <laughs> Absolutely. Have, have, have you heard his early air check tapes? I digress. Yeah. He's, he's playing. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think many, many years ago we, we compared those with each other a long time ago because mine were um, mine were just as comical. <laughs> well, when he first started doing it a few years ago, playing it here and there, I thought, okay, this is just a bit – I I, I uh, texted him. I said, "Is this the real deal?" He's like, "Yeah, that's really." He goes, "I don't know what happened." He, I said, "You hit puberty or something?" But yeah, I digress. Uh, yeah, no, my uh, I my beginning time in radio, I actually did play by play in in Terre Haute for uh, some air, like you know White River Valley and and a little Northview, and it was for Wisdom ninety eight, a radio station in Terre Haute. And um, I was a yeller and didn't even know I was a yeller. Like, I would scream <laughs> in the microphone. Like, it, and, by the way, in gyms that were not very full. So it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was not a good situation. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go back. and See, I'm, I'm from the age, in the old age, uh, where my air check tapes were on cassette tapes. And my early, yep. early ones as a kid were on a reel-to-reel type thing. And my oh, father yeah. was in yeah. A lot of mine are on mini discs, and good luck finding <laughs> a mini disc player these days. Yeah. My father was in radio. I've been around radio my whole life. And, you know, I always thought, well, this is something that I wanted to do. I just didn't realize I was never going to be able to get paid at it. And no one ever told me that. Maybe I would have changed my, 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 my uh, thought pattern. Right? So now I have to work a real job, but I'm still doing the radio thing. But I love the old way of doing things. And, you know, I, I started as a kid and used to be, I, I, I digress to the story. I, there was a radio station, not the one that my father worked for. It was a, just a small daytime AM station in Newburgh, Indiana, which is down by Evansville, which is where we, where I grew up. Uh, and I used to ride my bike down there and just kind of hang out in the radio station. That was back when the radio station doors were open and, and you, you could sit in the studio and see who was coming in and out of the door. The, the announcer was both the, receptionist and the on-air person that's that's how long ago that was but i used to go in there and, and they used to let me you know mess around and always see if there were things that i could do and we used to have 
now everything's digital, but you, I know you remember these, but carts are like eight tracks, and that's where the commercials or songs were on. And you'd erase them on a magnetic eraser. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. No, that, yeah, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. That was a that very was thing early in my career. And then that kind of, we all went more digital with the, the mini disc player. Yeah. And then now, like, completely digital. Yeah, everything is digital now. Uh, but so I, he goes, yeah, kid, all right, we got something for you to do. You see that box of of carts, get them to that box of carts, make it a stop here at the magnetic thing. It was a big, so I was just like having a blast, just erasing these things uh, and putting oh, them in sure. there. Yeah, and so I just, you know, I, I learned. But uh, there and then, of course, the high school radio. But you know, and then more when I got to IU at the IU radio school and. You know, uh, uh, Walt Ferber's from there, too. You know Walt as well. He went to that school. I know Walt. So there's yeah. a, lot, a lot of us that went to the IU radio school. But the, they always oh, sure. they always said, like you said, there's the screamers, and then there's, like, I can't hear you. And then there's the, the people that I felt like I fell under. They're like, you're just trying way too hard. Just be yourself. <laughs> you know? I, was in the, I was also in that camp, the too hard, the try too hard. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the thing about it is you're just having a conversation with however many people are listening to you. The good thing about it is you don't know who's listening to you. You don't know who's not listening to you. And you're basically talking to yourself. Look, I can get, get down with this because I talk to myself all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah. But good yeah, to talk I, I with you, Matt it. Hicks. I know that, that we have at least two people listening uh, to the That's show. Right. We have a great audience. I, I appreciate our, our our audience very well. Matt Hicks, uh, radio legend here. We could talk the uh, <laughs> indie radio stories uh, for years, but we got to get to Tony Donahue in a minute. He's going to be headed up oh, to Green another Day. another legend. Yeah, another legend in his own right. Tony's great. Well, speaking of legends, I do have another legend coming up later on. He's filling in for Ed Kratz, which is our beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NASCAR contributor. Yeah, I think you've heard Ed before, talked to Ed before. He's been around for a while with the show. Uh, but Kit Sterling's going to be filling that role oh, today. Well, we so. can, yeah, Kit Sterling gave me my my job in Indianapolis. Oh, did he? Oh, cool. cool. Oh, yeah. I walked in uh, one day and. Uh, and with my, you know, I was so prepared, shirt, tie, and uh, it was to answer the phones for Bob Lovell's show. And uh, uh-huh. I, I was the first. That was my foot Man. in the door in, in, in the communication. I tell you what, then that you started out working with legends. <laughs> no, no kidding. Bob Lovell, no that's, kidding. That's not a bigger name in Indiana radio than that. Oh, that was, that was great. I mean, you know, and like the people involved with that show, you know, Michael Grady was, was the producer uh-huh. of that show at the time, and Michael Grady's gone on to work for Yes, and yeah, yeah, you know, talk about legends. Yeah, fun, uh, fun times. Matt Hicks, uh, I always say, where can people find your work and masterpieces with you? But I know that you're you're uh, you're always around. I'm free agent. I'm free. I'm free agency. The free agency can be wonderful. It's lasted a little while, uh, but <laughs> some of that is a. I will say, of course, everybody. It sounds great to say it's your own choice, but it has been my own choice to some extent. Um, yeah. But I'm on Twitter, Hickson05. I occasionally weigh in with a witty or unwitty comment as those that would judge. Uh, I'll let that up to them. But uh, I'm around occasionally, and uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on. It reminds me of uh, a very, very fun time in my life, about a decade and a half of uh, a lot of fun things and memories and friends. Well, I'm glad that, that we're able to do that for you. And I've always said to you, you have an open invitation. You can come on anytime you want, sir. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. You have a good weekend, Matt. Hey, you too. Uh-huh. Matt Hicks, radio legend. Man, we we got got off track there and uh, behind schedule on time. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to get uh, Tony Donahue in here. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA and also uh, some other things that might be passed. I know he's headed up to Green Bay. We'll be right back right here in on the Balance Radio Network. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean all in my blood. On my baby, you can go and ask. My life is a movie, boy riding in boots. Cowboy hat from Gucci, Wrangler on my booty. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your move. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, 
seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones. Or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. I'm going to do the two-step in Cowboy Boogie. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name's Todd Mark with El Presidente. Glad to be back in the saddle after getting my ass kicked and handed to me by this uh, COVID date. That is not going to be a long-term relationship. I can promise you uh, that, but it's good to be back on board here. First show of 2022. Yes, we're a little bit behind the game, uh, but we're back at it. And we uh, we had that COVID just go through the house and you know, even being vaccinated, it doesn't, it doesn't stop it there. Uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us, our official NASCAR contributor, uh, talking about uh, last night's uh, in uh, 2021 inductees, which were actually voted in in 2020. Uh, but here we are in 2022. Last night, we're finally able to have that. Obviously, uh, Dale Jr. and others, uh, a part of that uh, 2020. Uh, one class of NASCAR, so talking about that, certainly talking about the funny season uh, with uh, uh, NASCAR as well. And the Rolex 24 coming up next weekend. And uh, also Matt Hicks, uh, radio legend, been around indie radio for a long time, helped us break down the, the, the Colts, the rumors with the Colts, what are we going to do, and so forth. But joining us now is Tony Donahue for the yeah. Tony D Podcast. Tony, are you, are, are you, in, are you in route to Green Bay? Oh, we are uh, heading north, yes, uh, in route. Fantastic. Well, I saw in your tweet that you're all bundled up. Is this your first trip to uh, Lambeau? And before, I was 2010, I was incredibly spoiled. I had a, a girlfriend at the time that was a big Packer fan, and her family had gotten tickets, so she took me up, and uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't really, I guess, maybe appreciate it at the age of, of 20 or 21. It was more about <laughs> drinking, so I'll definitely – Pay yeah. attention today and uh, really, really, really take it all in, especially uh, in a playoff game when they're the number one seed. Well, the Niners, I tell you what, uh, I, 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 I'm, I actually like the Packers. So I'm, you know, anytime I can watch uh, the Packers in postseason in the wintertime, that's always good. It, it's, it's like it's fun to go out there and get cold, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great experience, and I've had an opportunity to go up there a couple times, uh, you know, in various different situations, but. Uh, 
Lambo filled a, a fun field, so I hope you, you you have a great time. But I wanted to, you know, also because I, I know you you're plugged in the racing scene. First of all, what do we know a little bit about the IndyCar uh, funny season, and, and then maybe your thoughts on the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee class of this year. Yeah, I thought it was cool that Bob Jenkins and Dale Earnhardt Jr. went in together. Um, you know, uh-huh. Bob passed away earlier this summer, and yeah. if you think about kind of the IndyCar world over the last year, losing Bobby and Al Unser, losing Robin Miller, who was a friend of mine, and, and right, one of my mentors, and then Bob Jenkins. Uh, but, yeah, Dale Jr., I mean, much, much deserved. I think a lot of people forget how good Dale Jr. was in the early 2000s when kind of the entire weight of the NASCAR world was put on his shoulder. Knowing that, I mean, you know, his father had passed, and he became the the most popular driver. It was in the it was in the heyday of NASCAR. They were making more money, had the best ratings that they've ever had, and it was all about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and and the pressure to perform. He comes back in July after his dad passes away. Wednesday Tona, uh, Wednesday Tona 500 twice. Um, you know, so so good for Dale, and, and 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 really just as an ambassador of the sport, even after his retirement, working for NBC, the podcast that he does. Um, and, and, and just to see him as, as, as now he's, he's a fan. He's always been a fan of the sport growing up, and now he, now he's a fan, and, and, and he can give his unbiased opinion on some of these drivers. So uh, that was cool. IndyCar, busy week with, with, media, with media days on Monday and Tuesday. Um, Tatiana Calderon is going to run some of the road course races. Uh, mm-hmm. She is going to run for a point racing, so it's good to see a female back in the sport, uh, albeit not full-time, uh, but, but, but certainly to have you know, 10, 12 races on our schedule will be good. And pretty much everything's full. We'll, we'll have a couple more driver announcements. But uh, having Connor Daly back with, with Ed Carpenter racing full-time for the next two years is great for, for all fans, especially the ones here in Central Indiana who support Connor. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast also jumps on uh, weekly as our official NBA contributor, and we appreciate you doing that. Let's talk a little bit about Homer Card, and we'll move on across the NBA a little bit. Great win for the Pacers over the Warriors. Anytime you can get that, great. Now we've got the Suns, uh, and, and they've got, you know, DeAndre's out. It looks like he's going to be out against that. So it looks like they could get to back-to-back real, uh, wins against some really good teams. Uh, you know, each week we change our outlook of the, of the Pacers. Uh, this week on January 22nd, what's our outlook of the Pacers? <laughs> well, I mean, you look at a team that is injured right now with Miles Turner and Sabonis on the sidelines, which kind of hurts both trade values. I wanted to keep Sabonis. He's an all-star, but, you know, if they were to get rid of Miles, I, I wouldn't be too upset depending on what you get back on that. And then everybody's kind of sitting in the guys that are playing for their lives and playing for rent money or, or, or paying for child support money or out there keeper Sykes getting it done. They win at the Lakers and at the Warriors. So, um, Knowing, knowing the paces and how unpredictable they are, they'll probably go to Phoenix and get and get whacked. But it uh, looks like that was a team that was having a lot of fun there, and I was a bunch of guys that shouldn't even be out there uh, with, with Brogdon sitting. Uh, Karis Levert's been playing pretty well. It's good to see him kind of get his legs underneath him. He's been injured-prone since becoming a pacer. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, you want to tank, and then they go and win two games that they should lose out west. So we'll see what happens. Well, we absolutely will see what happens. We're talking about the trades in Demonis and Sabonis. I'm sorry. You know, a lot of people are, are talking about the Wizards. Uh, they're, that's a good place to start with the Pacers to to uh, dump him on. I guess I hate to use that word, but trade him off to. I guess Sabonis. Well, I mean, Kevin Pritchard gets a lot of crap and a lot of flack of things that have gone on and, and the signings they've had, but. 
and the trade market, he's worked it pretty well. I mean, you know, Oladipo wanted out of here. He got a piece and Karis LeVert, or, you know, and, and then same with Paul George, and Paul George wanted out. You got Oladipo, who played well here for a while. People don't like the way that he left, but when he was in a Pacer uniform, he was getting things done when he was obviously healthy, then he had that three. And Sabonis has gone to two All-Star games on the verge of becoming a third-time All-Star, averaging a double-double this year. So if they can pull a trade to get some kind of um, package for, for for picks here over the next year or two would be great. Or if you can get a if you can get a piece like a Kyle Kuzma or somebody that's got some talent that maybe just needs a little bit more room to to kind of to kind of to kind of grow and, and become the player that a lot of people think that they can. Uh, you know, uh, Cleveland might be a possible trade destination. I don't think the Pistons have a have a lot of pieces, but but on top of that, you know, you don't want to trade them to a team that he can come back and hurt you later on. So. Um, the Lakers Warriors, I think, have shown some interest. Um, the Warriors have have Wiseman, who was you know their top pick in last year's draft. Um, you know, so, so we'll see. I, I just don't know with the injuries right now and Miles Turner becoming a free agent at the end of next season if teams are going to want to pony up for him, knowing that well we can either get him on an expiring deal come next February or we can get him as a free agent in the following summer. You know, you know, talking about the, the trade season, and let's just kind of walk through some of these rumors. And, and at this point, that's what they are, but there's certainly conversation. Where, where there's smoke and fire, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, what we saw with the Lakers uh, benching Russell Russ, uh, Russ, Westbrook, sorry, against the Pacers, obviously they lost that, that, that game. But you got to look at, are, are the Lakers shopping uh, Westbrook and, you got to think maybe Houston Rockets would be the place he would end up at. I don't think he goes back to Houston. I don't think that ended well. Um, I think you're kind of you're kind of set with with Russell Westbrook. I don't know who else is going to pick him up because he's going to stay out west if he does. Um, he, he just seems to be wearing his welcome out. So uh, if there's a place that would take him, maybe. But I, I just think it was one of those things where him and Frank Vogel need to get on the same page. You know, Frank's a good coach. He played. He, he was a good sure. coach here. He took care of Paul George, who's a superstar. Um, but Russell Westbrook seems to be a problem everywhere he goes. He, he definitely, he definitely does that. So when we look at the trade deadline, what do you, who do you think are the teams that are the, if we want to use the word desperate, are the most desperate to do well in the in the trade of 2022? You would well, think the we'll Kings the like, go, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, the Kings, the Kings are the Kings, Memphis, and Minnesota always seem to be three teams in the West that are looking to make some trades. Um, maybe the Jazz trade for another wing defender. I mean, you've got Boyan Bogdanovich, usually your your lockdown defender, but Joe Ingles, who comes off the bench, is the greatest defender. Neither is Jordan Clarkson. So maybe you get another defender for a, for a pretty already solid defensive team. Uh, Denver, we'll see. They're, they're, they've still got a good team. You know, Jamal Murray's on the verge of coming back here in the next couple of months. They maybe pick up another point guard to try to get them over the hump. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the Spurs do. The Spurs have some good pieces, and, and they're like the Pacers are every year. They're on the cusp of being an eight seed or getting a good playoff uh, position. So be interesting to see if uh, the, the Spurs end up being buyers or sellers of the deadline. Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast. Check out his podcast. It's actually pretty uh, well done. Uh, I said that like I'm surprised. I'm not surprised at all. You're you're going to become a, a legend, Tony. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, funny story. We were just 
kind of joking around, Matt, Matt Hicks and I, in the last segment about just legends in, in, in Indiana. And I was talking about you coming up, and they're like, well, there you go. There's the, there's the next legend. But, yeah, Tony D Podcast, check it out. Tony, the Atlanta Hawks have really dug themselves into a hole this season. And maybe they have a bright future with, with, with Trey Young, but do you look for them to make much movement in the, in the trade world? <clears throat> you know, I mean – You've got some pieces in Clint Capella. I think Capella's a guy that could go to a contender. He's a rim protector. He's a double-double guy almost every night, especially if he's playing against Miles Turner. Um, but we'll just – I don't know what the Hawks, you know, it just seems like they're kind of in a doll right now. Uh, and I think a lot of Pacers teams came – I think a lot of Pacers teams became um, kind of dull with Nate McMillan as their head coach, and maybe the, maybe the Hawks are in the middle of doing that as well. So – um, you know, but the East is wide open. I think six through twelve is separated by about three or four games. You got the Hornets in there. Um, you've got the Cavaliers in there that are playing de- de- decent. The Heat have been a very unhappy team so far this season, but they're surprised to think of things. So uh, we'll see what the Hawks end up doing. But when Trey Young's out there, anything can happen because that dude can score at will. Well, and you know, we can't talk about NBA without talking about LeBron James. He becomes the first player in the NBA, NBA history to have uh, three uh, – excuse me. COVID's still barking at my leg, uh, Tony, to, to have uh, uh, yeah, 30,000 30, points and uh, uh, 10,000 rebounds. And, and you wonder, are the, are the Lakers wasting LeBron James this season? They need a really strong defensive person in, in that box for them. I guess it would be disappointing to see the Lakers waste LeBron's season. It's already happening without a, a bold move. Lakers, the trade, what are we going to see from them? <clears throat> well, we'll see if they, they can get some more pieces. I mean, they've got guys coming off the bench like Taylor Horton Tucker and Austin Reeves, who's a rookie out of Oklahoma. These these guys are good plug-and-play guys, and they're going through the COVID and the December and January of the NBA season. But these are not guys that are going to be able to get done in April and May and June in the playoffs. So if they can get a couple more pieces, uh, maybe you ship out a guy like Avery Bradley. Uh, maybe you go get another score, a Lou Williams-type guy off the bench that can, they can get you some points. But I think the Lakers will definitely be, be buyers uh, at the trade market and, and be able to put some pieces around LeBron that he can go to. And once they get Anthony Davis healthy, obviously that's a huge rim protector as well. You know, another team that I pay attention to is the Boston Celtics. And you look at Marcus Smart, it's been a long uh, heart and soul of the Celtics for a while. But, you know, sometimes change is good. And maybe that's one place they've got to look at. They've not did well in the trade in recent years and did okay in the draft. But it's clear that the Celtics really need to do a significant shakeup. We talk about the Pacers just doing a shakeup uh, from the neck down. The Celtics are another team that you might think be looking at that, and they might need to start here in the draft. Well, Marcus Smart's a guy that would fit well with the Lakers. I mean, he's, he's not going to get you 20, 25 points a night, but he can get you 10 and defend the other team's best defender, which kind of takes a little bit off of LeBron. Um, Boston's right there at 500, but again, that's like the seventh or eighth seed in the in, in the Eastern Conference, and you've got some pieces uh, that you're going to want to build around if you're the Celtics and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So if you can maybe get another piece for Marcus Smart or, or, or get a draft pick to build off of in the future, I think you do it. 
You also got to look at teams that have trade bait to trade, and that's the, the Portland Trailblazers. They have plenty of uh, pieces they could trade, starting with Robert Cummington, maybe uh, Larry Lance Jr., uh, among others. I think the, the, the strongest team with the most to offer uh, is, is the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, the Blazers haven't been as good as what they thought they were going to be in Chauncey Billups' first year. Damian Lillard really struggled out of the gate. P.J. McCollum is, has really picked up the slack, scoring 24 points a night. Joseph uh, Nurkic is the guy that maybe you think about trading if you can get somebody. Uh, Robert Covington, that guy seems like he's always on the move during the trade deadline. You want to keep Anthony Simons, who, who has a lot of upswing. Um, but, you, you know, you've, you've got Cody Zeller maybe – Maybe a, a team would like him off the bench. Maybe like Phoenix. Uh, I think Zeller would be a good guy to come off the bench when DeAndre Ayton comes out. They've had guys in the past similar to him uh, do that. Uh, but yeah, Portland's certainly a team that I think at this point you look at the season and say, all right, Dame, we're gonna we're gonna build to get you something better for next year and the years to come, and we'll just kind of give the season a wash. And we'll we'll wrap things up before we put a bow on it here. I let you get back up at the road there to to Green Bay, the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, they're at a level of desperation that I think it really remains fully unknown. But you look at Joel Abbott; he's having an MVP type caliber. You would think the Sixers, I mean Sixers, the 76ers would owe that to him. Uh, and I think that there's got to be a package to get rid of Simmons and and surround Abbott with. Evident, sorry, with better players, uh, and he's obviously a top six player in the NBA. But when when you can point to the 76ers and say that's your team, you got to do something in the trade. I mean, it's all on Ben Simmons, really. He, he wants to be traded. He's losing money by the day when he's not playing. And yeah, he's holding not, out, right? It's not a couple thousand dollars a game. It's like three hundred thousand dollars losing. So. I mean, if he wants to continue to lose that money, uh, the Sixers are probably in no hurry to trade him, although they want to, but it's got to be the right thing. They kind of hold the power in a way because, you know, they're not going to give him up because they don't have to pay him right now. So that's on him. And if you can put a package together, if I was the Pacers, I would throw Miles Turner and their first and a pick for Ben Simmons and a guy like Matisse Seibel, who's a 3 and D player out of Washington, who's in his third season. So um, I would certainly be on the phone if I'm Kevin Pritchard to uh, his old pal, Peter Dinwiddie, who used to be on his staff with the Pacers, who's now Elton Brand's top top guy in, in Philadelphia in the front office. So um, if I'm the Pacers, why not give him a shot? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, real quickly on the humble card with the Colts, uh, seeing on the morning Twitter and the morning uh, uh, rumors that uh, Jacksonville is, is uh, going to try to make a move possibly for Matt Aberflus. I don't want to see him leave the Colts, but I can't see him staying with the Colts. I mean, the momentum is going so fast for him right now, and he's really earned a spot as a head coach position. I think he's also interviewed with the Bears. I don't look for him to be back with the Colts. That, I think, is, is, a, is a piece that we've got to really look at. You know, and then Ballard was not very committal in his post-conference with, with Carson Wentz. I mean, that's a big pill to swallow for them to get rid of him, but it's also a big risk if they if they keep him, uh, especially what we saw the tells of two with the Colts. So real quickly, uh, you think Abraflus goes to Jacksonville? You think he stays with the Colts? And what, what what's your take on Carson staying with the Colts? They should have fired him. That Jacksonville went down and pretty much untouched and scored a touchdown and 
that that drive right there kind of set the tone the rest of the game. Um, if I'm the Colts, I do whatever I have to do to make a push for Russell Wilson. Um, that's who I want. I think that he changes the dynamic of the game. I think he's a player that the Colts need. I mean, that offensive line was so decimated all year, and Carson went to stone feet, couldn't move. Um, I didn't want Carson Wentz here in the first place. Um, I tweeted about that. I was very vocal about that. A lot of people bashed me, and, and he was starting to change my mind. You know, we, we got to the last two weeks, and all you had to do was the Raiders or Jaguars to get in, and you can't do it. So you've proven to me that you can't do it. Um, go get somebody who, if he wants to leave Seattle, um, which he might not want to do, even though they had a crap season this year, um, I'd say go get Russell Wilson. I think he's a guy for the next two or three years that, that can get you to that next level and can compete in the AFC. Because you look at the teams that are going to the AFC championship every year, it's the Ravens, it's the Chiefs, it's the Bills. These are, these are, these are teams of quarterbacks that can scramble. And what have the Colts not had over the last, I don't know, 150 years? I guess maybe Andrew Luck was a decent scrambler, but but they've not had a quarterback that's been able to stop the pocket and extend the play. That's kind of the direction that the NFL is going right now. <laughs> uh, Kit, uh, Kit Sterling joins us as well. And uh, uh, t- Tony Donahue, I know you're on your way up to Green Bay. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, our official NBA contributor, and then, you know, just all around great guy, knowledgeable about racing. Kit up in his podcast. Uh, Tony, where can people find your work in Masterpieces? And, and I don't think Kent was laughing at you, uh, uh, Tony. <laughs> TonyDND.com. Check it out. Thanks. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Ken Sterling at KenSterling.com. Joins us. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Good. You, were, were you laughing at Tony? He's off the line now. I was not. <laughs> I'm at a Meyer, and a, uh, a guy and I were doing a dance out in the parking lot. So that's what I was laughing nice. at. Nice. What was the dance? Was it, was it, it was, well, he kept going left, I kept going right, and, and then we, we, finally we passed each other, and he laughed, so I laughed. <laughs> Nothing like the, the Meyer parking lot dance. I'll tell you what, I've had a date with, with COVID over the last couple of weeks, and I'm just now bouncing back from it, and it is just, and I'm, I'm vaccinated, and don't get me wrong, this is in the show that, to go down the, the COVID uh, fear porn world. Uh, I, I think we have enough mandates and stuff in our life that the virus is a virus. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't want any, I don't wish that on anybody. I'm my worst enemy and I, and I'm vaccinated and it, it, it kicked me in the butt. Did you, did you guys deal with it at all on your, on your end? Well, I got, I got vaccinated. I got boosted. And uh, I, Julie and I are really good about trying to keep ourselves healthy and, uh-huh. And take a variety of supplements to, you know, help ward stuff off, especially in the winter. So, it, it, to my knowledge, it hasn't gotten to me yet. I guess you can be asymptomatic and not even know you've got it unless you're tested. That may have happened, but I have no idea. Well, you know, that's, I think that's what happened to Carson Wentz. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, can, we, can we blame that on Carson Wentz? Uh, Kit Sterling, KitSterling.com. We're gonna, I appreciate you jumping on. We're going to have you uh, help us with the uh, NFL segment as uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NASCAR contributor couldn't make it in this time slot today because he's coaching uh, wrestling. Uh, so he's got a lot going on with that, and the Eagles are out now. So uh, go on go on about our, our business. So we're going to talk some NFL, but let's start, though, because I know you're an IU guy. I'm an IU guy. You know, and, and there's just something that felt good about this win the other night against Purdue. I feel like it was, you know, it just like 
the way it used to be, and I know we were getting trashed a lot on social media and by uh, some local media pundits that said, oh, come on, guys, no need to rush the floor. It's just one game. But it was a game against Purdue, and to me, it was a telling game with the hire of Mike Woods. I think it was an excellent excellent hire. Obviously, he's a great coach, knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm curious to see, is my excitement premature, or are we going places in March, uh, Kent? You know, I, I don't think your excitement's premature because this team can, can defend. They are a really good defensive team. And as far as rushing the floor, look, there isn't a student, at least an undergraduate student, who isn't taking his sweet time to get his or her degree who's been on that campus when mm-hmm. Indiana's beaten Purdue. So I, I thought that rushing the court while we who were there in the 80s and 90s and remember <laughs> when it was fairly routine for us to, you know, yeah. the boiler's ass, you know what? These people have never seen it, and so it was spontaneous. It was joyful. I don't like uh, premeditated court rushing where people are kind of like not rushing the court but waiting their turn to walk exactly. out of the court and kind of jump around for the cameras. But joyous, yeah. spontaneous, organic, I'm all good. I, I think Indiana's for real because Indiana can defend. And when Xavier Johnson plays like he did the other night against a team – that really doesn't pressure the basketball and doesn't try to jump lanes, which Purdue, their, their stock and trade is not to generate turnovers. It's not to get deflections. That allowed Indiana to operate. It allowed Xavier Johnson to do what he can do at a high level without turning it over. Finnessy was awesome and, and really what a great validation for a terrific kid. Uh, I, I thought it was a wonderful night, and hopefully it continues tomorrow when they play Michigan. Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com. Let's let's uh, just uh, address the elephant in the world to help uh, keep the homework card on. I uh, I know we're a national show, so we're all over to it. And we've talked a little bit about the Colts, uh, a lot about the Colts with Matt Hicks. Which, by the way, he told me you gave him his first job in radio, uh, answering phones for Bob. Lowe. Yep, <laughs> that's true. Did that and uh, worked with Johnny Samasco and uh, Matt yeah. Hicks, a terrific dude. Oh, yeah. So when we were talking about the Colts, not to burn a dead horse, but I do want to get your opinion about it because I know you're very vocal about the Colts, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Doyle. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that. I've never met the guy, so it's nothing personal. Um, I know he, he, he kind of reminds me of Bob Kravitz. I like Bob Kravitz. So the good thing about Bob Kravitz, well, and you for that matter, you say what you mean whether you like it or not. Doyle just kind of seems to be on this hot take world, and, 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 he, and he displayed that this past week with Carson Wentz. And everybody now could say, oh, I hated Carson Wentz when, when we brought him, and then he started getting better. And, no, I didn't hate Carson Wentz. And now his latest tweet, or Doyle's latest tweet, said, basically said that Carson Wentz was a recycled water bottle from the Philadelphia Eagles trash bin. I'm, I'm summarizing that. That's not an exact quote, but it, that's basically what it says. Where are you at on the fence with Carson Wentz? Well, I think Carson Wentz is who he is. I think he's a lesser version of Kirk Cousins. You know, he, he's a guy who, when you look at him, he fills the jersey really, really well, 6'5", 237. He can make all the throws. He's got good feet. He's got good legs. What he doesn't do at a high level, and he's never done it at a high level, is process information quickly and get the ball to where it needs to go. If you could take Philip Rivers' brain and throw it into Carson Wentz's body, you would have the, the best quarterback in the history of the National Football League. 
but you don't have that. So what you've got is a guy who's going to be flawed. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to cost you games in hopefully a lesser measure than he wins you games, but he's not going to be the guy who's going to win you a championship because let's face it as, as, and I know that they lost to the Jaguars who are a terrible football team and, and the Raiders who are a playoff team, but not among the elite of the NFL. But when they play against really good football teams that are exceptionally well coached with a clever defensive coordinator, he can be tricked into things and making throws. And, and Frank Reich, I don't know if he is a uh, – I'm not going to say a strong enough mentor, but a, a, a mentor strong enough for Carson that he can get him over that hump. I, I just don't see it. There, the, the, he doesn't pass the eye test in the sense – that he can outplay us as we watch him play quarterback. When Peyton Manning was the quarterback for the Colts, I always sat in the end zone at Lucas Oil Stadium. I did that in 09 and 10 mm-hmm. and watched Manning operate. And Manning never missed a read, ever, ever, ever. It was unbelievable, and especially in the last 130 of a half or 130 of a game, he was incredible in dissecting the defense, knowing where to go with the football, and because we had those that look, kind of that Madden look from the end zone and, and being able to see what the secondary was and where the hole might be, you kind of got a really good look at that. And, and that's just not Carson Wentz. The entire crowd's yelling, you know, Hilton. And, and he throws to, you know, Pittman. Or he throws to Pittman when he should have thrown to Taylor Hines. Uh, he doesn't check down enough, take what's there. I, I just don't think he's a championship-level quarterback. He's good enough to get you 9-8, and eight, but he's not good enough to get you to, you know, 12-5, and 13-4, get you that number one seed and put you in the hunt for a championship. Now, now comes the question. We've got us a horse pill. We, if we refer back to what I was talking about earlier about him, about Carson Wentz being a recycled water bottle from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, trash bin. He's now in our trash bin, and we have a huge horse pill to get rid of it. It's going to be a, a thing. And, and yeah. so I know Frank Ballard said in his thing he was not really very committal. Not yes, not no. Uh, you know, basically, so that tells me that he's taking calls. The thing about it, I hate to use the word dumb enough, but what team is dumb enough to trade uh, for Carson Wentz? And, and it's going to be a huge thing to get rid of Carson Wentz. We, we've been talking about on the show today, and I've been talking about with other people, you know, Russell Wilson would be that ideal person to bring here. One, is he really, air quotes, really available? Don't know. Uh, jury's still out on that. I agree with that line of thinking. But there again, he is a recycled water bottle now in our trash bin. What do we do with it? Well, you know, unfortunately you don't have the Indianapolis Colts to call to see if if they'll give up a three and a one and eat that contract, knowing that you've got Frank Reich, who if anybody could get Carson Wentz right, it would be Frank Reich because of their previous relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not another team like that. If you could get somebody to take that contract and get him off the books and get a a first-rounder, you know, in return, I, that would be wonderful. I, I don't know that there's a there's a team in the NFL that's going to be that generous uh, about Carson Wentz. If you can get that to happen, that would be great. If you could get somebody just to take the contract and give you maybe a, a two or a three, it, it, the problem is this, Tom, is it would make Chris Ballard look awful. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you gave away a one and a three and paid a guy a lot of money, 
in order to get him, and you got him for one year, you didn't go to the playoffs, and then you spun him to somebody else for pocket change, you know, that that really makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. And GMs hate losing deals. That would be a huge well, loss for the Colts. You, you talk about a guy like Russell Wilson, and, and that's a bitter pill to swallow. Russell Wilson wasn't healthy part of the year. He has a huge number against the cap, like $37 million. So you would have to you you'd have to figure out how to pay him, and and if you had to eat the fifteen million that the Colts are going to eat if if they get to uh, if they uh, cut him at this point twenty seven million after the third day of the NFL year, you know that that's a lot of jack out of Jim Irsay's pocket that could be spent, uh, you know, kind of augmenting the secondary or the wide receiver core. Or, you know, Chris Ballard's favorite thing to do is go get more. Dep- you know, absolutely. And, and Chris Ballard, is talking about the drafts, that's his brand. He's, he's like, I win from the draft. Well, he's, he's, not, right. he's, he's kind of going in the opposite direction. And I know we could spend a lot of time talking about the, 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 the what of if it could have been with Frank Ballard and the Colts. But one thing that I do want to talk real quickly before we move on to some of today's games is Matt Eberflus interviewing uh, Jacksonville just coming out in the next uh, in the last few hours on social media and stuff saying they're all behind Eberflus. That's their guy. You're going to try to get him. I mean, that might just be hype. That might just be talk. I, I mean, it would be it would be kind of ironic, if you will, that he would get on the team as the head coach that he probably should have gotten fired from for to losing to, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not on the fence either which way, but I do <laughs> like him. I do like him. I think he's a, he's a good, it's a good thing, but a lot of people were calling for his head at the end of the Jacksonville game. So it would be ironic if he ended up there. I know he's interviewed with the bears and be a couple other teams. Uh, Matt Eberflus doesn't stay with the cloak, uh, the Colts true or false. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be back. I think Jim Irsay, part of the the conversation the Sunday night after that Jaguars game had to do with the defense, Matt Eberflus, and, and the way that defense just doesn't pressure people and, and puts the front four, puts the onus on the front four to try to get to the quarterback, and then they play this soft zone that allows receivers to use a lot of time to get open if they need it. You, you saw it in the first drive. You know, it's third and thirteen. And and the Colts drop back to 17, and they give up 17. You know, I, it's not hard. It made Trevor or uh, Trevor Lawrence look like a pro bowler. You know, he was 8 of 8 on that first drive, for God's sake. This is the worst quarterback statistically among starters in the NFL. And Matt Eberflus couldn't figure out a way to scheme toward bringing pressure to, to Lawrence. I, I, I thought it was a travesty. What, what I've heard from people inside the NFL – is that uh, he he's not going to be hired in Chicago. He may get hired in Jacksonville. You hope that Shad Khan is kind of nutty enough to to really be sort of awestruck by Matt Eberflus. And let me say this about Matt Eberflus. He might be a hell of a head coach. He might be a really good head coach in a way that he was not a really good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That could be. Eberflus, he, he, what he does is he coaches effort and he coaches discipline and he coaches work and he makes sure that his guys are prepared to go battle on Sunday, finish tackles, and be professional football players. And that's one of the big responsibilities of a head coach that really maybe don't need with a defensive coordinator. What I need out of a coordinator is scheme, and I don't like Matt Eberflus's scheme. 
Gotcha. Well, let's move on to some of these other rounds. Kit Sterling uh, talking to the NFL force. Appreciate him uh, stepping in with us on this segment as Ed Kraft can't uh, uh, join us. A big game today, 4:30, kicking the divisional rounds off. Two teams that are going to be interesting to watch. One team I hope goes away as quickly as he as they can. I'm on that Bengals uh, uh, train for today. Obviously, with the Titans being in the AFC South and Derrick Henry, and you know we've got Jonathan Taylor, so I might be a little bit biased. Okay, I am, uh, but I, I like the Bengals in this game. They're on the road against the Titans. That might be, uh, you know, it's always hard to play on the road during the, the, the playoffs. But the Bengals got something called momentum. What are your thoughts about the Bengals and the Titans today? I like the Bengals. I, I think Joe Joe uh, Burrow wins big games. Mm-hmm. And he's got weapons that I think are going to be uh, very, very tough for the Titans to mitigate in Jamar Chase, uh, Boyd. You know, they they are really, really – Higgins, they are really good, and they are built kind of exactly the opposite from the Colts. Not to bring it back to the Colts, but Bellard likes to <laughs> no, build from the inside out. And you've got the Bengals who are built from the outside in. And the Bengals uh-huh. are rolling and the Colts are at home. So if you want to compare philosophies, you can. I love the Bengals. I think that the Titans taking the week off. I think the Titans trying to get Derrick Henry kind of back in the fold, adding him to what was a successful formula already, and then a changed formula. I think it's a dicey proposition down in Nashville for the Titans. I think the Bengals win this game. It'll be an exciting win for the Bengals. And, you know, you always like to kind of root for the underdog. And the Bengals, I think, in this round of headed to the Super Bowl, the Bengals would be that underdog. Not saying that they're going to go yep. to the Super Bowl because there's a lot of obstacles in their ways between now and then. Uh, but it's fun to, fun to watch these underdogs. Let's uh, uh, go on over to the Packers. As I was just talking to Tony Donahue. He's on the way up to the Packers game. And if you can go to – even if you're not a Packers game, to go to a, a game in Lombard, but Limbaugh, Limbaugh, I can't talk today. COVID still got my, my voice. Uh, and the 49ers, I tell you what, you got, you got to like the 49ers. They put out the Cowboys. I love that meme that came out to say, uh, who do the Cowboys play next week? Nobody. Uh, so the 49ers on the road uh, against the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be sub-zero weather. It's going to be uh, your typical fun-to-watch post-season uh, game in January up in Green Bay. And watch it. They don't call it the frozen tundra or nothing. It's like it, you're excited to be cold. Uh, but uh, the 49ers and the Packers, and I just like like we've said, uh, Aaron Rodgers is is still in that MVP uh, caliber type uh, situation. Uh, I, he's on a roll. You gotta like the Packers at home in January. Yeah, you do. I I saw on ESPN this week that Garoppolo's never taken a snap in weather under 40 degrees and and that's that's an acquired taste i think and and very very difficult and i think garoppolo is going to have a tough time i think debo samuel is going to have a tough time against the uh packers secondary rogers is is kind of in the twilight of his career enjoying the moment and i like him kind of through that prism uh, I, I think Lambeau's going to be rocking. I, I think that the Packers win this game. And then the 49ers are going to have a decision to make about Garoppolo because they're not mm-hmm. necessarily exactly. entranced with, with his quarterback work, and that's going to be kind of fascinating. You know, again, full circle back to the Colts. He's been in that conversation. I don't think it's a reality, but it's a possibility uh, for him to be here in Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, you're swapping out deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you want to win a championship, you want to win a championship like Ursay, <laughs> like Ursay wants to win a championship, you're competing with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. You got a lot of really, really good young quarterbacks in the AFC. Even Tannehill, not necessarily young, but he's productive. And and you look at the Colts, and you're going to go after that with Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, you're going to go after that with Kirk Cousins? You're going to go after that with Carson Wentz? What are you doing? Exactly. You know, if, if right. you want to win a championship, you've got to find a championship quarterback, and he is not it. I love that quote, Kent. I'm going to put it on a T-shirt or put it on a mug or – or something. Or you, you need to you need to brand that and put it on your on your YouTube channel. <laughs> I move around lawn chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> Love it. Great. So the Rams and the Buccaneers. Okay, that's tomorrow. Those are two stories that we've been talking about since the beginning of the season. Of this is a, they're exactly where we thought they were going to be at this season, even though they've had their own uh, issues during during the season and Tom Brady, my God, I know it's the Colts blood in me that just does not want to root for the Buccaneers. My gosh, you can't rule them out at home. And, and the Rams, I mean, they're just on fire. This is a game. I I hate to use the word bloodfest, but that's what it's going to be. I mean, it's going to come down to it or it's going to be the other way around. The Buccaneers are just going to run the table and, and check off a box, which is it going to be in your mind? I'll tell you what, you look at the way the Rams have built their team this season, and you look at what the Colts have done. The, the, to bring it back to the Colts again, the Colts kind of <laughs> slow played. You know, they, they build through the draft. They don't add a lot of free agents and no big money free agents, really. But the Rams, the Rams are, are in for this year. Vaughn Miller, they went out and got. Gave up a two and a three for mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller. They went out and got Odell Beckham Jr., they have built this team to get to the Super Bowl at Stan Kroenke's Palace, SoFi Stadium. They want that. Uh, the, they went out and got Matt Stafford, traded two ones to go get Stafford. They are built to win the thing now. The edict has been issued by Kevin Demoff and Les Snead and everybody else associated with that organization. Really, really good guys, by the way. And uh, I think that the Rams go into similar weather in Tampa, and I think they beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. You know, I know it's a little early, so far a little early anyway, to predict who's going to be in the Super Bowl. And I have a long-going tradition. I collect hats, so racing hats, all different types of hats. I got them all over the place here in my studio slash office. I got a shelf with the hats everywhere. And one of the things I always do is whoever represents the AFC in the Super Bowl, I, I buy a hat. They already have a Chiefs hat. It would be cool to have a Bills hat. You know, I like the Bills, and I might be disappointed and not get a Bills hat this year, but I like the Bills. I know they're at home, and they've got to play each game, you know, the best they can to do because they've got some tough opponents coming up. Uh, but if, if they run the course, I guess I'm, I should say. But the Bills and the Chiefs tomorrow night should be a good game. And, I like the Chiefs. Believe me, they're my second favorite AFC, my second favorite NFL team. Uh, you know, it's the Colts, the Chiefs, the Eagles. And so I, those are my favorite teams. So I, I, I'm going to root as a, as a fan for the Chiefs, but I want a Bills hat. So what are your thoughts? Am I going to get a Bills hat this year, uh, Kent? You know, I really kind of like the Bills. I, I like Josh Allen a lot. And, 
he works so well with Diggs, and they've kind of a nice running attack with Singletary, and, and the defense gets happy a little bit. But the Chiefs have been there. They've done that. Mahomes at home, Tyreek Hill, Honey Badger, they, they got some really good football players who have won together in the past. Arrowhead is just different. I mean, there are two places as, as a road fan, a road media guy, where I was like, wow, this is different. And that's in Seattle, and it's in Kansas City. Arrowhead absolutely shakes with with the, the kind of the enthusiasm of that it's sort of to the nfl what simon scott assembly hall is to college basketball when assembly hall got rocking the other night against purdue purdue got shaken arrowhead when that happens especially to a young quarterback like josh allen who last week was awesome with a passer rating of over 150 almost a perfect uh 158.3 is perfect i think he was 157.5 I don't think he's going to be able to back that up with the second game like that, especially on the road. I think the Bills go in, they bank some information, they figure some things out, they put themselves in a position to be very, very competitive in the playoffs next year and beyond. I don't think they get it done tomorrow. I think the Chiefs win. Uh, I, and I, and there's one part of me that hopes you're right. Uh, you know, speaking of the Chiefs, they beat the Steelers. A very disappointing loss to Pittsburgh. But it's all been made but official that Ben Roethlisberger is hanging it up after 18 seasons. Big Ben uh, retiring. Certainly a legend in his own right. And, you know, one of those guy quarterbacks you look at and you say, and there's a few that's happened over the years, but he's one of those you look at and you say, how the hell did he make that throw? What? what? Yeah. And, you know, and especially – not always the smartest guy off the field early on. I know he's got his act together. I, I know he's married. I think he's got some kids now. So he's, he's grown up over over the years. But we think back 18 years ago, whatever, when he was drafted by the Steelers, his career still only played with the Steelers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, what do we say about his legacy? And, I mean, it's it's all but official that he's, he's retired. And he'll probably end up in a broadcast booth or, or something. But Ben Roethlisberger retiring. Um, you know, I, I heard a story from Terry Hepner, who is his college coach at Miami of Ohio, before uh-huh. Terry took the job at Indiana and then ultimately, sadly, died of a brain tumor. Right. Um, said that Ben Roethlisberger's on the sidelines with about 50 seconds left. Miami's got to go get a touchdown to win. They've got about 80 yards to do it. And he turns to Terry Hepner before going on the field and says, watch this, and goes on the field. Yeah moves Miami of Ohio into position to get the touchdown. They score, they win the game. That's Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger has always had great confidence. He's always had great ability. He's always had unbelievable leadership. Dan Dockage told me that Roethlisberger came to Bowling Green's basketball camp when he was a freshman or sophomore in high school. And he was so impressive as a leader, Dan didn't even watch him play. He offered him a scholarship on the spot just based upon his leadership. So that's kind of intangibles are what Ben Roethlisberger had in spades. And then, uh, you know, through his 20s, as you alluded, there were behavioral issues that were thought to be criminal and and predatory and unfortunate and awful. And, And hopefully he's kind of moved through that stage of his life, and we haven't heard any reports of that since. So. Uh, you know, I guess we can just leave that be with him. 
But um, he, he's one of those guys. He's As you look at the Steelers, you know, and you, you always thought of Bradshaw and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham and Mel Blunt and Franco Harris and Rocky Flyer. I, I think now you also look at Ben as one of those guys who kind of belongs among those other stars of the 70s and 80s who are uh, so emblematic yeah. of that franchise. But as a quarterback, I mean, he shot. Mm-hmm. Ken Sterling of KenSterling.com, I appreciate AE jumping in. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. You, you raise the, the bar to a whole new level every every time that you come on. Love your YouTube channel. What do you got going on, on at, at KenSterling.com? And, of course, the YouTube channel. Uh, and where can people find that stuff at? The YouTube channel, all you got to do is go to YouTube and search Ken Sterling and up it pops. And we do a video in the morning, Breakfast with Kent. Then we do Inside Indiana Sports today. Uh, every afternoon, weekday afternoon, and for Colts games, now, you know, a distant memory, and we won't be ramping that back up until August for preseason. But uh, that and IU basketball, we do instant post games. As soon as the game goes final, we're on live talking about it, trying to break it down and figure out why the Hoosiers won and why the Colts lost. Well, I love it. I tell you, one of the things I followed with you over ye- the years is uh, Breakfast with Ken, and I encourage anybody and everybody to uh, take a few moments uh, to, to watch that. It's a lot of fun to watch. So the Breakfast with Ken is my, my favorite segment of yours, sir. Well, thank you very much, Tom. It's mine, too. It's a great way for me to start the day. Whether others yeah. enjoy it or not, that's a bonus. Well, you got one fan, that's for sure. And and uh, also, I know you have, you have a book. We did that promoted for you real quickly how can people get your book and what's about yeah go to amazon and again you can uh search kent sterling it's called oops the art of learning from mistakes and adventures and uh you know it's i made uh, by my count 37 mistakes that lent themselves to pretty good stories uh that i learned from and what it is really is like something that you can read and it's easy reading it's an easy 237 pages and and you kind of breeze through it, and, and maybe you start to feel a little bit better about your own mistakes. A lot of people, everybody makes mistakes. A lot of people try to hide their mistakes and pretend that their mistakes were successes. Uh, I'm not burdened with that, uh, that kind of uh, impulse. And so here are 37 mistakes where I was a complete idiot and, and screwed things up and came out better for it. Well, I've, I've read different segments of it, so I'm excited to get it. It's on my list to get. And, and, and I have a, I'm in, in sales in my real world that actually pays me money. <laughs> I'm in, in sales, so always look at these. And, and, and that book, I, I like. It looks like it's a very motivational book that I could add to my motivational sales collection, so I look forward to it. I try to motivate people not to screw up or <laughs> to screw up, learn from it, and, and then not screw up because they did learn. That's, that's, what it's all about. that's what life's all about, right, Tom? <laughs> you need to go on the circuit. I think you'd, you'd be uh, well well received on the uh, motivational speaking <laughs> circuit. <laughs> all right, Kent, well, we appreciate you, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Bye. All right. Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com. Speaking of legends, he's been around for so many years. I mean, and we've known, we've been friends for a long time. He's a good friend in the show, so I'm glad when I could get him. And it's always a treat. Uh, he's, he's a great guest. He's very knowledgeable. Certainly check him out at KentSterling.com. 
get his book. It's well worth it, uh, his YouTube channel. And I also encourage you uh, to uh, make sure you uh, watch Breakfast with Kim. My name is Tom Mark with Self President. I appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast. So if you're listening to us in the podcast, the great thing about our show, a little background here, we do our show live every Saturday morning. Uh, between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. as so jump on the live link. We always post it up on our social media at T-Balance and on Facebook. Uh, and, and then just follow the link. But also while you're there, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, but, you know, awesome. The thing about it is our – if you're listening to the podcast, you're listening to the live show. So it is what it is. And so just hit – like on the podcast, you can catch us on anywhere you get your podcast. You know, the main ones, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and, you know, uh, any of those. Wherever you can find the podcast, you can find us. And we appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Uh, as I mean, you, if it wasn't for our fans and the people that listen to our podcast, we would not be anything at all. Uh, thank you, Steve Wilson from SpeedwayDigest.com, breaking down the NASCAR uh, funny season and also the uh, Rolex 24 and also talking with us about the uh, uh, 2021 NASCAR Hall of Fame inductees. Congratulations to Dell Jr. and others that that made that class. Also, Matt Hicks, the local indie radio legend. Man, we had a good time talking with him about the Colts, about IU uh, Purdue, and just you know, just about life. Uh, it's always good to have him on. And, and, and Tony Donahue took some time to uh, uh, contact us. He's our official NBA uh, contributor as, on his way up to Green Bay to watch the, the Niners in Green Bay in the frozen tundra. And again, as we, as we just mentioned, uh, thank you to Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com. My name is Tom Marquistel, Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Don't drink and drive. It didn't cool. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.